Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I am Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Well, Kyle, episode 10, we're in double digits. We've made it to double digits. Episode 2 of our Best Disney Dog Bracket. And uh, this is also the first one where we decided that we couldn't wait until the final four for the second episode because we took so long in the first one. Yeah, we had a lot of say about these dogs, which was not anticipated, but um, I actually feel really good about the dogs that are left, and I think we have a lot of worthy competitors here left in the bracket. Also returning to this episode is Nina. What's going on, Nina? Not much. Super happy to be back. Ready to see who the winner is here. And also back, as always, are our spoonful of sugars. Uh, We'll start with the guest this time. Nina, what is your spoonful of sugar for the week? I am drinking a wet dog martini, uh, better known as a dirty martini. We got some garlic olives in there, vodka, um, olive juice, lots of it, and vermouth. All right, well, that sounds good. I am drinking a drink from... The Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar at the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, this one is the Mai Tai, which is light and dark rum, um, some simple syrup, uh, some uh, orange curacao. And uh, I don't really have a name for it, but I consider hippos kind of the uh, the watchdogs of the river. So that's, that's how I'm going to tie it into this week's episode. You know, those old water dogs. Water dogs, of course. Chris, what are you drinking over there? Well, in observance of the Star Wars Galaxy Edge expansion recently opening at Disney's Hollywood Studio Park in Florida, I'm drinking a drink off of their uh, Oga's Cantina menu. It's called the Tacodana Quencher. It's actually pretty simple. It's got Bacardi Dragonberry rum, which is something that uh, me and Kyle love to drink. Of course. Uh, It's also got Blue Curacao, which is a mixer slash type of alcohol that I really would recommend everyone put in their liquor cabinet because it makes drinks taste really good and flavorful and colorful and all that good stuff. Highly recommend. It's also got Simply Orange and my two favorite fruits in existence, pineapple and kiwi. And uh, yeah, it combines most of my favorite things. So safe to say I love this one and will probably be making it again. I like it. I like it. I'm excited to get down to Galaxy's Edge and uh, try some of these alcoholic drinks but i i think that some of the disney world ones are a little different than the disneyland ones yeah i think so too i think i think that's a really cool touch and gives people a little bit of incentive to maybe visit both galaxies edges yeah absolutely i think so too all right we don't have any time for any sort of pre-bracket rant review predictions we need to hop right into this bracket so here we go we're gonna start with the elite eight and to start off this Elite Eight bracket, we have number one Pluto versus number nine Bolt. Now, I think that uh, we didn't give Bolt quite enough uh, uh, props in the first 
the first round. I mean, we, we were kind of talking about how he was a dog who thought he was a superhero and, and learned throughout his journey with mittens that it doesn't matter uh, if you don't have powers, you can still be super, that kind of thing. It's kind of the Incredibles thing, to be honest. Um, but after re-watching that movie recently, it's interesting because he's he's still like the loyal dog that he always was. And even though he's mistaken, that didn't really take away from his loyalty. There's a point in the movie where uh, he's having a lot of fun traveling the, the country to get from New York to Hollywood with Mittens the cat and Rhino the hamster, um, who is the silliest character in, in recent films. And it's it's one of those, like... It went when we talked about like gaggy kind of um, sidekicks. Rhino may have been the start, <laughs> the start of that as far as the animal world goes, but uh, that's for another day. Um, they get to Las Vegas and they've had this incredible journey. Not to talk about Homeward Bound yet, and they're having fun together and they're loving it and they love being together. And they get to Vegas and Mittens tries to convince Bolt to live in Vegas and sets up a house for them and stuff. And like, this is a moment where Bolt could be like, you know what? Yeah. Like I'm having so much more fun as like a free dog. And it, the the moral of this movie could have been like d- dogs can be free too, sort of thing. I don't know. It could have been weird like that, but he doesn't even think about it, which was interesting. Like in the movie, he doesn't even think to, uh, to stay in Vegas. He immediately wants to go back to Penny. So like Bolt is a, is a very very good dog. Um, Poodle, on the other hand, is uh, is a great dog. He's Mickey's best friend, but he doesn't really go beyond that. He's portrayed as just kind of this dog that gets uh, really frazzled by things. Um, he the uh, the chipmunks really bug him. Uh, he gets really jealous. Oh, I bring up that Goofy Pluto episode again. Like he gets really jealous of Goofy at some points. Um, while uh, Bolt. He he uses his resources, which is essentially kidnapping a cat, but that's what a dog would do, I guess, uh, to get back to his owner and shows pure loyalty, doesn't show any frustration when people try and convince him that he's been abandoned. And so I think that I'm going to choose Bolt to move on in this one and uh, have an old uh, 9-1 upset. I agree with what you said about Pluto being a character that's easily frazzled. I wanted to become a little bit more familiar with Pluto's work. So in between episode one and two of this bracket, I went and I looked up some some Pluto cartoons. And I encourage you all to do the same. There is a video on YouTube with five hours of Pluto cartoons. Now, I did not watch five hours of Pluto cartoons, but I watched enough to get the gist of this character and the way that he functions within Disney media. This dog is very slapsticky. He's a little bit clumsy and he comes off a lot like a Tom and Jerry or like a Speedy Gonzalez and Roadrunner type character where all he's really doing is like running around and getting into these wacky situations. And I will say that there are a good amount of shorts that show Pluto working alongside a Mickey as like a hunting partner, or there's one where like they go out on the golf course together. But 
you know, for me, those moments don't really overcome the volume of slapstick moments that this character has. And yeah, I, I also agree with what you say about Bolt. We kind of didn't, didn't give him a whole lot of props last episode. And I think he had an early exit from our heroes bracket. Now, I don't know if I want to talk about the movie Bolt, but the character Bolt, pretty solid. Um, and so, Kyle, I think I'm going to agree with you and say that number nine Bolt upsets the top dog, Pluto. And I'm advancing Bolt to the final four. Oh, man. Here we are. Cinderella Bolt, the number nine seed, downs the number one in Pluto. Crazy. What we got next? Next up, we got number 13, Dante, versus number 12, Slinky Dog. Now, last episode, Kyle, you were not too high on Dante, and Nina had to break that tie. And I think we're going to have another close matchup here. Both of these characters, I think, are pretty good sidekicks. But... One of these characters, I think, is clearly the better dog. We did overlook a few aspects of Dante's dogginess in the last episode. He does get Miguel into a couple of little sticky situations in Coco. He eats the treats off of the ofrenda and like knocks down the uh, the picture the very top. Um, and he also ends up chasing like a a little monkey guardian guy when they're in like the Frida Kahlo um, like rehearsal space and and that gets him like Miguel like busted by Frida and uh, I guess that ends up being like a beneficial interaction for Miguel but um, still he has these small moments of naughtiness in the movie Um, and you know as Kyle kind of hammered pretty hard last episode he's he's extremely derpy which I don't think necessarily discounts him from being a good dog but um it can make him a little bit unpredictable. And if I'm thinking about a good dog, it's a dog that I know is going to consistently be good. Not like, oh, is he going to be good? I don't know. He could be. Dante saves Miguel and uh, ends up bringing the other giant griffin-winged guardian to pull him out of that pit that he's trapped in or whatever. Um, But... I don't know. I think he kind of functions better as a, just a just a generic sidekick in that case, as opposed to an actual dog. We talked about Slinky at length last episode. You know that scene where Woody and Buzz are in the RC car and they're behind the moving truck, and Slink's there stretched out as far as he possibly can go, trying to get them back into the truck. There's a scene at the beginning of Toy Story 2 where Woody's extremely frazzled and he's looking for his hat and he can't find it because he's not going to get to go to cowboy camp with Andy and Slink just strolls up and he's like, found your hat, Woody. I got you. No problem. I'm a good dog. You can count on me. Slink is consistently level-headed throughout all of the Toy Story movies and yeah, he's a great companion and he has his own ride at Disney Hollywood Studios Park where you can ride him and... I think that's just bonus points for me. So, you know, f- for that reason, I think clear winner for me here is going to be Slinky over Dante. Yeah, I think I I was a little too harsh on Dante last episode. Uh, he He's a good loyal dog to Miguel. He uh, obviously had something in him that the the folks in the afterlife saw to make him this guardian dog for Miguel. Like, 
that's something to be said for him. Um, and also what I've been thinking since we last recorded is like, how did these, uh, these folks that our interns interviewed pass a slinky toy as a legitimate doc? And so that's always, that's, that's been bugging me since the last episode is that we've qualified uh, this like toy dog as an actual dog. Um, and people even on Twitter were making the argument, well, like, why isn't Stitch in this? Like, he's not a real dog, but he played a dog. Um, the Slink's not a real dog. He's a Slinky playing a dog, you know? Um, however, like, Slinky does exemplify these loyal qualities of a dog. And even, uh, I think you just brought this up, even when uh, the toys start choosing Buzz for over Woody, like, Slink is a little like I don't want to do this. I want to be like loyal to you, Woody. I'm sorry. Like I'm I'm here. I'm I'm doing what the crowd does. I think that honestly though, it's tough to in this round. Like sure, Slinky slipped slipped through as an upset in early round, but I think like his status as an uh, a literal toy might disqualify him for me. So based upon just that straight up, the fact that Slinky Dog is a a toy and you should see Nina's not, face right now. Her jaw is on the and floor. And he's not an actual dog. I am moving Dante on to the next round, which means that we have a tie. And Nina, it is all up to you. Oh, no. Oh, man. You know what? I thought, actually, this is not going how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> I thought for sure Pluto was going to be a slam dunk, and I thought for sure Slink was going to be a slam dunk because I know the three of us all love Toy Story a lot. But you make a good point. Um, I want to also say, like, thinking about the goober dogs who maybe don't have many talents or are a little rough, rough around the edges, if you will. Yeah. Hey. Uh-huh. Um, they, last time that we talked, a lot of those guys were immediately kind of eliminated. Um, and I would like to argue that I don't know that a dog has to be a savior or like a good dog all the time, an obedient dog. I think some of my favorite real dogs I've interacted with have been a little unpredictable, a little silly. So just just something that I thought about. But I <laughs> I have a hard time with this one, really. Just on that note, let it be known that Nothing we say is real or true or carries <laughs> any weight. This might as well be completely random. Yep, seriously. <laughs> so I, I actually think the argument that Slinky's not a real dog and Stitch not being in here because I really love Stitch is... No, that's completely different to me because... I'm, his, I'm telling you, I love Slink. Stitch is an alien, okay? Slinky is and a Slinky. Slinky is... <laughs> is named Slinky Dog. He has dog-like qualities and behaves like a dog. He says, Golly Bob Howdy. I know. <laughs> I, favorite I'm not doing this. Of all time. I'm not, okay. It's not because I don't love Slinky or that I love Dante more. It's that there's no... If they're not able to salivate, are they really a dog? Oh. <laughs> that is a random argument. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Stitch can salivate or not. Do you know if Slinky can salivate? You don't know. You don't. You don't. He's made of plastic and steel. All right, Nina. 
I think it's gotta be Dante. All right. I'm so Off sorry. The rails. And would you look at that? On the other side, we have a nine seed versus a thirteen seed. Who would have thought? Moving on to the other side of the bracket, we have number fifteen Max versus number ten Shadow. And uh, after rewatching Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey. Uh, it comes to realize that Shadow's not as uh, wise as we had made him up to be in the uh, in the first episode. Sure, he has some pretty wise and deep quotes throughout the movie, but there's there's times where he uh, he misinterprets what's happening in the scenario, and he gets the gang in a little bit of trouble. Um, and really, the whole movie of them journeying back was an unnecessary journey because. The family was coming back no matter what, but Shadow was convinced that they needed to cross a mountain range to get back home when they never really had to do that in the first place. Um, but along, that's but not Shadow's fault, though. He 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 rounded them up. Whose fault would it be in that scenario? No, but I'm saying like it's not his fault that he didn't realize they were coming back. Sure, you know, sure. Just like it wasn't Pongo and Perdita's fault that all the puppies came okay. home. Okay. Okay. But anyways, um, okay, they just wanted to save lives. But anyways, uh, but along Sante. this, but along this journey, but along this journey, uh, he does make a lot of great decisions because he is a he's uh, a very resourceful pup. He's a very uh, he's wise in that sense. He knows where they needed to cross the river. Uh, Sassy didn't want to cross the river there and ended up getting swept away in what's probably the saddest scene in any movie that's not old yeller is watching this cat practically drown and and be forced to swim in water like disney nine 80s disney you need to relax a little bit i was concerned for her safety yeah um he helps to trick the mountain lion when they're being chased by the mountain lion to get onto this like seesaw rock and have chance to jump off Mm -hmm. and launch the mountain lion into the river um and then he uh he has a real nice pack mentality at the very end when he falls into this ditch and like breaks his leg or whatever, like, hurts his leg and he can't get out of this ditch and he's telling them like go, like leave me here, just go. I'm old, whatever, doesn't matter. I want you guys to get back. Like that's a pack leader right there. Um so as much as we hyped him up, he has his faults. He's not a perfect dog, but that's not this bracket. It's not the perfect Disney dog bracket. Max, I mean, my I mean, my opinion on Max still stays the same. Like, I'm not super stoked on him. Um, he does play an integral part of The Little Mermaid, I guess, uh, when he outs Ursula uh, disguising herself. Um, but I think at the the very end of the day, despite his, uh, his lack of an ability to read scenarios, Shadow's ability to lead a pack of a derpy derpy dog and a prima donna cat and make them his own and lead them to eventual safety even though it was a scenario that he put them in in the first place i'm moving shadow on to the next round wow this is a lot of shadow slander to take in all at once i was not expecting this so i apologize if i'm a little bit slow to respond here (laughs) i'm not sure i agree with some of those things but that's not the reason that i don't like shadow 
as a dog. Sorry, I don't like Shadow as a Disney dog. For me, the thing that it comes down to is the amount of time that we get to spend with Shadow and Peter. We spend the entire movie with Shadow and Chance and Sassy and sure he may be a great mentor or a great leader or whatever but I'm just not sure that makes a great Disney dog and yes I I have to give him a lot of credit because all of these things he's doing ultimately is in service of his relationship with Peter I just don't see enough of it for me to con- be convinced that he really is a good dog in the proper dog setting. And homeboy limped when I watched the homeboy little mermaid limped out of a muddy ditch and came back to his owner. I understand Do you remember that. the scene? Limped. I understand that. <laughs> he I remember the scene. Leg amputation. A great scene. To get back to Peter. And I respect that dog for that. Okay? But if I'm thinking about what's a good dog, I'm not like, you know, I really would love a dog who, like, would limp himself out of a muddy hole in the ground. That's really not in my definition of a good dog. Yeah, just, like, being really, like, level-headed. For me, for me, me personally, those that's what makes Shadow a, a good dog, is just his ability to keep his cool under pressure. Um, and I appreciate that about him. For me, I get more of the full dog package when Max is in a scene in The Little Mermaid. He's not in a whole lot, but every time he is, he really packs a punch. He steals the scene, and he just brings a lot of joy when he's, you know, jumping around and barking and his tongue's out, and he's so floofy. I love Max. And because he is so consistently a good dog in the presence of his human... I'm advancing Max over Shadow to the final four. Ha. Huh. Well, that only means one thing. That happened in the opposite way than I thought it would. I'm very surprised by all of that. <laughs> um, all right. I hear what you're saying about Max being pretty, like, pivotal in the Little Mermaid movie, which is my favorite. Um, I also love when Max's little eyeball peeks out of his hair. Real cute. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely validate that the whole reason these guys got lost to begin with is because Shadow thought he could find home. To be fair, they did. Spoiler alert. Um, but also, <laughs> they. I do want to note that two times, two times did Shadow run away from a perfectly safe situation not just from like the friend's house but also they were found and brought to like animal control or whatever and the family was coming and shadow helped sassy like come up with a plan to get chance and all of them out of there and more more chaos ensued um that being said shadow also saved a little girl that he did and and what probably really tips this over for me again this is tough for me is when we watched it this weekend shadow in the first five minutes of the movie just shadow's face and how nice of a good boy he was to peter tears real tears (laughs) so 
Shadow advances. Oh my god. I did forget about saving okay. the little girl. That was pretty clutch. All right. I guess number 10, Shadow, is advancing to the final four. So let's move into our last Elite Eight matchup. Number three, Old Yeller versus number six, Tramp. Now, I do not like Tramp for the same reasons that I don't really like Shadow, and that is Tramp doesn't really interact with humans in a way that is sufficient to me to call him a good dog. Most of his motivations in the movie are just to do nice things for Lady, and he saves the baby from the rat. That's really great, and that is an action that the humans benefit from, but the reason he did it wasn't out of an overwhelming love for this baby. It was because he wanted to help Lady out. And I think Disney really missed the mark with this movie, or they missed the opportunity to do something that they eventually did with Homeward Bound. And while I'm not sad that we eliminated Chance last round, I think that Chance did something that Tramp didn't do, and that is Chance came around to the idea that I'm not a free dog. I love being a part of a family of humans. Um, Tramp started out the movie in a very similar way, being like, I'm a free dog. I'm going to roam around and do whatever I want. And yes, in the final scene of Lady and the Tramp, he is in the home and he has been adopted by the family and makes little baby tramps and ladies with Lady. But there's never like a scene or a moment of realization where he wants to be in the home. It just, it all stems from him being in love with Lady and... I don't know. I don't I don't really like that. So I am by default advancing old yeller here. Um simply because I I I don't see enough from Tramp here. I agree. I mean I'm also not the biggest Tramp fan. Um Old Yeller is the quintessential good dog. He was lost, found, took uh, to his new human family very quickly, protected them in multiple situations to the point where he had to die for them. Like, oh my goodness. Um, so I'm uh, I'm also going to move Old Yeller on to the next round. And uh, Old Yeller also has a theme song, Chris. Sure does. And it's actually, like, really good. <laughs> sure is. Would you like me to Best. read some lyrics from Old Yeller's theme song? Please do. I got him right here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I encourage our listeners to go look them up. And I also posted a sing-along version on the podcast Twitter page. So definitely look into that. But I'll just pull a couple of really important lyrics from this song. Old Yeller was a mongrel, an ugly lop-eared mongrel, fancy free without a family tree. That means he was just, just a dog running around the West. Okay. But he could up and do it and prove there's nothing to it. And that's how a good dog should be. Wow. That's powerful. Here, Yeller. Come back, Yeller. Best doggone dog in the West. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have chills. I have chills, Kyle. All right. Here we are arriving at our final four matchup. 
We got the new school on one side, we got the old school on the other. We have number 9 Bolt versus number 13 Dante. And on the other side, we have number 10 Shadow versus number 3 Old Yeller. Let's start over on the new school side really quick. Here we go. Number 9 Bolt versus number three, 13 Dante. Already went on and on about Bolt. Um, he's very loyal to his owner Penny, which has proven in this bracket to be a very uh, admirable trait for a best Disney dog. Um, he does really carry that movie. I think that he gets outshined a little bit by uh, Rhino the hamster at, par at parts, who's like the super fan. He's essentially like, if you think of Syndrome in The Incredibles, who's like this Mr. Incredible super fan, uh, but turns evil, Rhino is Bolt's super fan, but gets to be his sidekick at the same time. It's kind of like what Syndrome always hoped for and never got. And it's a, it's a pretty silly thing. But anyways, I digress. I think that uh, Dante, he's... When we're talking, and you brought this up with the Shadow Max uh, uh, matchup, which was a really good point, um, that you, you feel like Max was the better Disney dog. He was loyal to his owner, which makes him a good dog, and he provided... Uh, pivotal points in the movie while being this loyal dog which is very disney right like he's he's the side character that helps him to move the plot along um and i think that bolt is the plot but it gets a little stale like the the movie is him i would say it wasn't even half the movie he thinks that he has powers it's more of like the first quarter of it and then the rest of it is just him doing things with his friends crossing yeah, the country yeah. I, and then like the, being a good dog and i i agree with that i think that when we're talking about bolt as a dog we're basically talking about like the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes of the movie because everything else there in the middle is kind of just like him on an adventure and it falls into that like what we were talking about last episode where it's almost human-like because he's doing things that a normal dog wouldn't do. Bolt, to me, is at his best when he's with Penny and he's really acting like a dog and he's barking like a dog and he's not talking like a human. And, and so when I'm thinking about Bolt, I'm thinking about those parts of the movie and maybe not necessarily his relationship with the cat and the hamster and the Toy Story 4 thing where should I go back to my human or should I be a nomad or whatever. I'm really, really focusing on bark bark woof woof wagging his tail you know sure absolutely and i and i think that when he isn't that there's still an aspect of him that is a dog but i think that it turns into specifically that movie it turns into kind of like this buddy road trip movie where like the qualities of the animals are completely gone besides the hamster rolling in a ball like that's really like everything else is like more of like a fugitive buddy road movie you know like it it doesn't quite land as like you forget he's a dog essentially because they kind of wipe well, him of okay, all so i i disagree with that in a sense because i will point to the scene in the movie when they're riding in the um trailer home and the cat is like stick your head out the window 
stick your tongue out the window. This is what dogs do. And so Bolt had been living this really sheltered life. And on his journey, he learns to be a dog. Yeah, no, sure, sure, sure. But within that journey, it felt like more of, I don't, if you, if you have to learn to be the dog, are you the best dog, right? Like I, it's almost like teaching a non-dog to be a dog at that point, if that's what we're saying. But regardless, back to my point, it felt more of like a buddy movie. Uh, on the other side, Dante, I, he was a dog from, from the beginning. Like he, there was no doubt about it. like he was a dog and he did dog things. And like he acted up like Chance at the wedding. Um, he's j- just tongue out, just this this very derpy dog lovable sidekick um who who's never leaving miguel's side and he is a dog and he's kind of that like disney dog and he provides that quintessential like plot point change where he comes in clutch and maybe it's not the the norm of a what a dog can do which has become (laughs) a dragon but it was because they're in the afterlife and you don't really know what happens to dogs in the afterlife for all we know that's what every, what happens to every dog, right? All dogs go to heaven and turn into dragons. So, uh, I think that just because Bolt has to spend his time learning to be the dog, and Dante is the dog he always was, I'm moving Dante on into the the final of the best Disney dog bracket. I'm just trying to take in everything that you said because there was a lot of truth to a lot of it. Um, we really do have to remind ourselves to bring this back to the topic, right? Best Disney dog. And how is a Disney dog best served to the main character and to the plot of the movie? And I want to say before you continue on that uh, criticisms about us not always sticking to the definition to of what we're talking about can all be blamed on the spoonful of sugars. 100%. Here's, here's my issue right now is that to me, Bolt and Shadow profile is a very similar dog and a very similar character in that they have these same goals and they are both parts human and dog at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really don't know that that's the best type of Disney dog out there. And I don't want to tip my hand for the other side of the bracket here, but I really do like the Disney dog in kind of the more sidekick type role. And I don't love Dante and I do love Bolt as a dog, but I just don't think that I can advance Bolt, this mostly forgettable character in this mostly forgettable movie to the finals of the best dog bracket. I just really can't. Um, I think Dante's pretty good. I think he's worthy of being in the finals. Um, not my favorite, but I, I I like him better than Bolt. I like him in this matchup, so I'm going with Dante, too. Well, look at that. Unreal. The Unreal. N- number 13 seed has made it to the finals. Unreal. Who would have thought, especially from a movie, that a certain Chris Bowersox does not enjoy I know I don't like it, but you know what? My favorite thing about doing this is that we're picking apart these movies and we're finding things that we like about movies that maybe we don't like. Bolt's a great example. Not the best movie, but we can 
be very appreciative of the main character in the movie. I don't like Coco, but if we break down the movie, we can find things that we do like about it. So kind of puts an end to the hate culture that's out there when it comes to a lot of entertainment products. So we're fighting the good fight, Kyle. We are. We, we are on this podcast, and we're doing it all while drinking, and that makes it even better. All right, moving on to the old school side of the uh, final four over here. We have Shadow versus Old Yeller, and... I mean, I'm I'm not going to waste any time here. My pick is Old Yeller. I think that as a uh, Disney dog who is one who overcomes adversity in the very beginning by being this kind of mangled up pup who is lost, who is taken in by a family, and he shows his appreciation for that by protecting them at any means necessary, which means that he had to die. And because of that, I'm moving him on to the finals. Here's the thing that I think is really interesting about this format. We're not debating everyone against each other all at once. We're we're debating these one at a time, head to head, right? I did not like Shadow versus Max at all. I liked Max way better there. But Shadow advanced, it happens. I like Shadow over Old Yeller here, believe it or not. I liked Old Yeller a lot more than I liked Tramp, so he advanced there. But here's the thing that is so hard for me about this Old Yeller character is that when you think about him, at least when I think about him, all I can think about is how he became a rabid dog and had to be shot. That's all I can think about. Him as a character and as a dog is defined by his death. And I just think that that doesn't really sit well with me. And it's so easy to forget all of the good things that he does in the movie leading up to that point, in the book leading up to that point. I don't know. For me, when I close my eyes and think about Shadow, I think about him running up to Peter at the end and just being a a wise old dog, even though, like we said, maybe he's not the brightest dog. He does have his moments of naivete. But something that... I always come back to on this podcast is the legacy. What's the legacy? How do we remember these characters? How are they known in the Disney canon? How are they remembered? How are they defined? And to me, I think Shadow has the more memorable life. Old Yeller has the more memorable death. And I think for that reason, I am advancing Shadow to the vinyls. Wow. Well, you have... uh quite the task on your hand here because in my opinion there are a lot of good points in both absolutely um i will say what is similar about both these dogs they're both real dogs would or have made me cry um but i think at the end of the day i have to agree with chris's thoughts on uh, dead dogs are sad and i don't like that so (laughs) We're going with Shadow because I like to think of dogs alive and old is okay, but dead is bad. All right. Well, I will say that the beautiful thing about this podcast is when we bring on tiebreakers, especially different ones for every bracket, we don't know how it's going to go. I mean, I don't even know how it's going to go, and I'm a regular host on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) All right. 
here we are in the finals. We have Dante from Coco, the number 13 seed, versus Shadow from the Homeward Bound series, our number 10 seed. Let's go. Well, I guess I won't waste anyone's time. And like I said last round, Shadow profile is very similar to how Bolt profiles for me. And, you know, Dante's a sidekick. I think dogs are best served as sidekicks. Shadow, kind of more of a main character and a hero. So even though Dante isn't really a dog at the end of Coco, and he's more like a thing, I'm going with Dante. I did not think I'd say that when I turned on my microphone tonight, but I am giving Dante from Coco the best Disney dog title. All right, well, I kind of roasted Shadow a little bit at the beginning of this as making wrong decisions, and to be fair to him, they were all with good intentions. He always had Peter, his his human in mind, whenever he made any decision. Um, however, I think that Dante's ability to just be a good dog throughout the entire movie of Coco, including when in the afterlife when he's made into this like spirit dog, um, it's it's not because he took on human qualities and did great human things. It was because he was always a good dog and he was always a good sidekick and he was always a good uh, a companion. And I think that those traits all link back to really at the at the bottom of it what a best Disney dog is. And so I think that, Chris, I'm going to have to agree with you that our best Disney dog comes from your least favorite movie, Coco. Best Disney dog is Dante. Let's go ahead Yay! and let's clap it out. Let's clap it out. I think, Chris, that this uh, this one's going to cause a little problems with our fan base, and I love it. I think that we're going to get some emails, and we're going to read some emails in the future where we were we were roasted in the, in the inbox. But I think that at the end of the day, we got to where we needed to be. I am confident in this decision, and... You know, I think Nina made a really good point earlier in the podcast when she said a good dog doesn't necessarily have to be on good behavior at all times, doesn't necessarily have to be super floofy, super attractive, good looking, cute. You know, it can be kind of derpy, weird looking dog, but you know, at the end of the day, what is a good dog? It's the dog that you have, and whatever they do, you love them. So I think that's ultimately the moral of this bracket. I agree. Well, Nina, thank you for providing the moral of this bracket. Thank you for joining us for these two shows. We really appreciate it. Adopt, don't shop. Also, <laughs> I do want to say that thank you for uh, echoing my sentiments and that Dante also, every mistake Dante made led him to, led Miguel to Hector at the end of the movie. So. He's a good boy. All right. Well, another bracket winner has been crowned. Thank you so much, Nina, for joining us the last couple episodes. We loved having you on the show. Kyle, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find more of the both of us at Mouse Madness Pod on Twitter, and you can email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. We love the feedback. We love everything. Everything that you guys send us, emails, tweets, everything, takes, give it to us. We love it. Um, and until next time, bark, bark, barkity bark.